Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Willow Star, I'm so excited to have you on this uh, episode of in, uh, of Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carl Felt. Thank you so much. And you, I mean, you don't look like you've ever had cancer. <laughs> I don't feel like I've ever had cancer. I mean, this is the 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 interesting thing. I was diagnosed in 2016 with stage four cancer as a first time cancer. I'd never had cancer before. Less than 5% of people are diagnosed right out of the gate with stage four. And I'm like, yep, I'm pretty special that way. I get, I've always got really weird things. I've had weird diseases in my life. I've never had just like the regular cold, you know? And for me, it was the blessing of my life was out of control. I was dying before I knew I had cancer. Well, you, you, just, w- you, you just had gone, I mean, two days prior, right? You, you, you just, you know, I, separated from I, your husband. I, well, no. So I, I felt the lump in my breast and I knew that it was cancer. I decided to leave my marriage, which I needed to leave before I married him. And, and, and now we're best, best, best of friends. Like he is my rock. We love each other so fiercely. We were not good romantic partners. And, you know, and that was, so I like my life is crumbling. My marriage is crumbling. My kids are in crisis. Um, I am living a life that's not mine. I am, you know, smiling on the outside to everybody else. My life is perfect. Look at my family. We're really great. We, you know, have a car and a house and we do the things. And, and I'm in, on all the school boards and, you know, just living that life. I was like a fifties, you know, housewife, soccer mom. And it was killing me. Like it was just killing me. My needs were not being met. And I didn't realize that I had needs that needed meeting. I was just reactive, screaming, yelling. Like I was so scary. Like it's, it's, it's something I'm still healing with my kids. You know, like I just, I I feel like I can't apologize enough that I was so out of control and I feel the lump and I knew, I just knew. And I, I didn't know it was stage four. I didn't know that was even a thing. And I, I left my marriage and we still had to live together. Like nothing changed. We just like separated into different rooms. And it was this like energetic, like I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this. And then they tell me I have breast cancer. And I'm like, wow, that's so boring. I, I mean, literally, it's it's shocking. It's shocking to me to even believe my mindset back then. But I literally went to the bar. I called my kids on the phone and said, I have cancer. I'm going to the bar. I'll talk to you guys later. I mean, they were like, what? I joked with my friends. Oh my gosh, how could I get the most boring cancer? Nobody even dies of breast cancer anymore. Like all this crazy, crazy ignorant stuff. So, so it's, so it's, it's kind of like, Oh, I, I my alternator is not functioning. Yeah. I took the car to the auto shop and, and I'll, right. I'll meet you guys later. Just gonna hang out at the bar for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be totally fine. And you know, uh, I get a call about a week later from the hospital saying, hey, uh, we'd like you to come in and get a brain scan and a liver biopsy. It's like, hmm, that sounds weird. <laughs> like, why would you need to do that? And so I, uh, I go in, do the testing. I wait for the results. Um, don't hear back. I call them on a Friday and I said, you know, what's going on? And they said, well, we need you to come in to get the results. And I said, you told me I had cancer. I had cancer over the phone. You know, what does this mean? 
And it was Friday. And I said, well, you're either going to tell me over the phone or I'm coming in right now. Advocating in the medical Western, you know, system is to me, one of the biggest things you have to learn is you have to ask, you have to demand for what you need because they don't really always get that. So they, they fit me in and I sat down, you know, um, within two minutes of meeting this oncologist I've never met before. She says, it's not what we hoped for. You have metastatic breast cancer. And I said, like, I, I, I was like, I'm having fun. Cancer is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm, you know, like, and now all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what? And she says, um, I said, what does that mean? And she literally said, that means that this cancer will take your life. I have never met this woman. Two minutes. I have the recording. I listen to it as comedy now because I'm so proud of how I navigated her. And um, she went on just to say, like, yeah, you should get on disability, you know, just live your life. I was like, am I going to be sick? Like, what does this mean? Um, I said, you know, can you do surgery? So she says, the breast cancer is all in your liver. My liver was riddled with cancer. And the interesting thing is, is also of that, like less than 5% of people get stage four out the gate, but then less than that, all in the liver, it's usually kind of one of the last places it goes to. And she said, you know, we can't do surgery, it's all over. We hope that they don't grow or multiply, but they'll probably they probably won't shrink much. And she said, I'd recommend getting a second opinion. This is me the whole time. I have faith I'm going to be okay. I'm definitely not going to see this lady. Like I was just like, I was rejecting everything she was putting out at me. And then I, um, I went home and told my family and we fell apart. And, you know, my ex wanted to stay together and help me. And I just said, like, that's, I need to be, I need to do this for me. And, um, and the craziest thing, it was, the best gift I've ever got. I say cancer gave me my life back. Cancer saved me because every day I prayed that a car would drive into my car and just kill me. Cause I was like, I can't go on with my life. I can't, I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. Like this isn't my life. And, um, to be here six years later <laughs> and I had, I've never, I've only had, sh I had shrinking for the first year and a half. And I've been tumor free ever since it's been five years being tumor free. And every day I'm just in awe of my life. Like I am a total, I've changed my full name, like first, middle and last name. I'm, I was Carrie Ann Vaca and now I am Willow J star legally. I'm like, you can just do that people. You can do whatever you want, you know? So, um, it's been, uh, the best six years of my life. Like it's been challenging. You know, there's nothing easy about healing all your stuff, you know, because it's so much more than the physical body. Um, and it's a daily process. It's a daily process, you know, and, and I love it. I love, I love it. And the, the thing is, I mean, it's ex exactly that story, you know, where you are programming your body to die because you don't want to live the life you're living. And you're, you're hoping for a fast end. But what the body is doing then is it, it's listening to your desires, listening to your programming, and it's creating something to fulfill your desire, your intention. And and here it is. Absolutely. You know, here you got stage four uh, cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that. I feel emotional even just hearing you say it like that, even though I know that so well, hearing it in that way, it's so true. And I also, because we had so much cancer in my family, I said all the time, I'm, I, I know that I'll get, it was not if it's when, when I get cancer. So I'd had a story in my mind, literally since my twenties, mm -hmm. I was getting mammograms every year. I was getting all my, you know, I was getting literally mammograms from 30 to 46 every single year. And I got diagnosed with stage four cancer in April of 2016 in November of 2015. So six months before I'd had a mammogram. Guess what was on the mammogram? The the lump. Did they see it? No. When they went back and looked at it, it was there. So it's a really, it's so interesting how the world works, you know, or how, how the universe works in 
I knew I was going to get cancer. I programmed myself to get it. I wanted to die and I thought I'd get cancer. I mean, it's like, yeah, you want to do that? Perfect. I've got you, you know, and, um, and being in that mindset and being so sad, so depressed, then what am I doing? I'm eating a ton of sugar. I'm drinking. I'm not like, I'm, and it's funny. I don't, I haven't drank. I like, I don't drink anymore. You know, I'll have wine maybe once a year at Christmas or something, one glass, but what I needed the alcohol to do for me, I'm like, I don't want to be numb. <laughs> like I want to feel. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was a really interesting shift to make from, Oh, I actually don't want to die. I actually want a different life. And that's, that's what the cancer gifted me was the opportunity to do something for myself. So for the first time in my life, I did not need to, I told my kids, they were 18 and 19. I said, mom is taking a break. Like I was a full time all in do all the things more than they even wanted me to, you know, it was a lot of me trying to show everybody that I was a great mom, you know, when my kids are like, stop doing this to yourself, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, being able to take that permission to take care of myself, to listen to my intuition, I would say is like one of the biggest gifts I had these really in that very beginning time when that lady, when I, when the first oncologist, you know, said, get a second opinion, I was like, oh yes, I'm definitely getting a second opinion. I was waiting to get into this top researcher. All of my friends were like, you have to see this woman um, at UCSF. She's one of the world's top researchers on cancer, uh, breast cancer. So I'm like, great. Okay, perfect. I'll get on her wait list. And it took two and a half months to get in to see her. It was like, again, I think when you kind of surrender to trusting that the world and God and the universe is here to work with you and not against you. It's like when I look at my journey, it was like, okay, do you really want to die? You know, they're testing me. No, I don't. Okay, you want to live? Here's, here's the path. Here's the way. And I just kept being shown the way. And in that two and a half months that I was waiting to get into her, I didn't know that I wanted to do Western medicine. You know, I, that wasn't really my, it, I definitely was like, oh, I hope I don't, I don't want to do chemo. And at the time, if I had have just had breast cancer, that is very serious. If I was diagnosed with just breast cancer, and that, that would have pushed into chemo, radiation, surgeries, making these decisions at the point in my life that I was in, I don't think I could have lived. I think it would have been too much. I wouldn't have had the time to think about what do I want to do? I wouldn't have, you know, it, it, I, I think it would have killed me. The crazy thing was, is I had this two and a half months where I, I started high dosing cannabis. I met a nurse, uh, an RN through again, Misha sharing out loud, I share with everybody and all these people are connecting me to things. And um, they and she's I said, I don't even I'm not going to do Western medicine. And she said, you've got a really serious cancer here. She said, I would do what your doctor's telling you. And I would take this dose. And she gave me, you know, for tumor shrinking, not for pain management, not for nausea, for tumor shrinking. I was high as a kite. Um, for the first two years of my diagnosis. And um, it helped me relax. It helped me not be type A. It helped me just be like, I don't care what anybody else does. Like, um, it was hard. It was challenging. My type A personality had to become a blob and, and release all of my, you know, control. But I started the high dosing of the cannabis. I started high dosing. Four Sigmatic was gifting breast cancer patients at the time a year supply of crazy high dose medicinal mushrooms, reishi, turkey tail, chaga, uh, shiitake, maitake. I did, took those for the first year. Um, I stopped all sugar. I stopped our alcohol. I had a friend whose mom is, I call her my witch doctor. She hooked me up to her rice machine uh, three times a week. Um, and I just started eating, you know, a cleaner diet, but none of this was perfect. You know, I was, but I was starting. 
So I go into this, you know, to see this doctor and she's writing down that, okay, I don't want you to have, she was so concerned about my joint pain, Mm -hmm. which I had been having. They thought I had rheumatoid arthritis. She's so worried about my symptoms that she says, so we're just going to, we're going to do Fazlodex and Zolodex, these hormone suppression, which felt like, okay, hey, I'm 46. You know, that's not a bad thing to go into menopause early. I would be doing that. That felt more aligned, you know, to me than other things. And then she said, I've got this chemo pill. I'm, I'm, you know, part of this research team. We've been using it on the back end when nothing else works. I'd like to front load it with you. And I'd like to try it in an experimental way. Your insurance won't cover it, but I'll get it covered. It's like, great. So she's circling and she circles that she's going to give me 33 months to live with all 33 months, you know, versus the two, two and a half or. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the first woman has said two and a half years. So now I've got 33 months. I'm like, okay, you know, we're getting, we're getting there, but I'm also kind of like, whatever, I'm not taking this seriously. And I tell her before I start treatment, I would like another CT scan. Mm -hmm. So I would like to measure apples to apples and see if the things that I'm doing are impacting these tumors. She says, great. So I do. That is the single most best decision. And it, and I don't know how I got the idea, but it just, you know, I was like, I want to know. Mm-hmm. My breast tumor was almost gone. All my tumors in my liver had significant shrinking. So my body just got electric. It's like, yay, yeah, it was, it was such a gift to myself because I will tell you this same doctor, she was very threatened by my healing outside of her medicine. And she, every single appointment, I would have so much fear in me after I left, it would take me two or three days. And I'm resilient. Like I'm not, uh, you know, uh, like now I'm not an anxious person. You know, I feel very strong in who I am and I've always advocated for myself. And wow, this, there was something about this woman and her power as this researcher that, it would just get in my head and she would say, I would say, well, the cannabis was really helping with that. And she'd say, you don't know that. And then I would say, no, I actually do know because remember that test. And so she would always kind of put these little jabs in about the things I was doing, but I had actual proof that my stuff was working. And I don't know, was it just me leaving my marriage? Was it just the cannabis? Was it a mix of all the things? Was it my dad? I don't know that. But I know that my lifestyle was supporting my healing. So I started I started her treatments and um, I've been on those as well as all my. You started the uh, the oncologist treatment along with what you've been doing. Yes. Yes. So I started. So I'm curious because even though you Mm -hmm. saw the shrinkage, you saw these things, I'm doing great. You know, why did you feel that you needed more than what you were doing? Yeah. Um, I felt at that time, you know, so I'm two and a half months in three months at the time. And I was still falling apart on so many levels. Um, nothing was easy. You know, I'm living with my ex. I'm, I've got two kids that are still, my son had left for college and I had a kid with mental illness and, um, that was coming, learning that they were non-binary and I'm like, I need something. There was, there was a sense of having a, like a safety net, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that it was like, if I don't do all the things, I have this, this other thing helping me. Mm -hmm. And until I chunk all the tumors. And so it's funny because I actually get asked that a lot. And, um, it's so I've I am now on one hormone. Um, I'm on Fazlodex. We dropped the Zolodex. I'm on my third oncologist, which she really supports me in my healing and is pretty fascinated by what's happening. And so I said to her, so I've been on these drugs, Fazlodex. I'm the longest person that they've had on, in on the floor where I get these. Nobody lives that long. And I, you know, I said, I'm noticing that I'm guessing most people don't live that long in this. And she said, yeah, most people are only on it, you know, maybe a few months, maybe two years. 
but the lifespan of people with using this drug is usually not very long. So I said, I'm concerned about the side effects. Mm. I don't want to be, I haven't had a tumor in five years. My goal is to be off of everything of all of the Western medicine. Everybody knows this from day one. And people like even today, you know, I, I'm on this on Fazlodex and Ibrant. Those are the two that I'm on. The Fazlodex is causing issues um, of neuropathy in my butt where they give me the shots. I've had more than 80 shots um, over the past five, six years. So it was really interesting. So I went off the Zolodex and I'm on the Fazlodex. And all of a sudden, my est- so because I said, if my estrogen raises, we can adjust then. But like, let's see, I'm pretty sure I'm postmenopausal. Mm-hmm. So I am off them for a year. I'm off the Zolodex for a year. She, uh, one of my estradiol um, tests, you're supposed to be under 10. I'm always under two. It shot up to 77 or something. And we were like, whoa, what's that? And this is this is quintessential Western medicine and why I really want people to advocate and not put everything on your doctor like you have to pay attention. And I didn't pay attention in the beginning. And then I realized like, wow, I really need to like check what they're doing to me, you know. And so it went up and we all agreed. That's just weird. Let's retake it. I retake it again. It came down to 11. Okay, great. We're we're almost in the range. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Next month shoots up to thirty something. So I'm like weird. Like it was really high, then it went low, and then now it's in the middle ground. So they say to me, "Okay, we'll put you back on Zolodex. So when you come in next month, we'll get you back on that." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I've been off of it for like eight or nine months. I want to know." Why is my estrogen spiking like this and coming down and going up, right? Like, what's the root? What is the root? Not just, oh, we're going to throw this medicine back at it. So I went down for my shots and they've got the Zolodex ready. And she's like, so we've got your, and I was like, no, I'm not taking that. She's like, well, it says here. And I'm like, no. So I get my estradiol again. So I, I look and I, I take the, these test results and I map it out on my calendar what was happening during that time. I also Googled and I knew a lot, but I wanted like a refresher of um, what is effect, what affects my hormones. And down the list, like I've cut out all fragrance, my house is really, you know, pretty toxic, toxin free. Paint and construction materials was on the list. And I knew this. I had just remodeled my 25 house that I'd lived in for 25 years with my husband, I painted single-handedly the entire inside of this house, three coats of paint top to bottom over like a two or three week period. I wasn't wearing a respirator. My son must've told me 20 times, mom, like why? And we're using low VOC, the highest quality paint we could. And then the next month I was moved into my apartment that was like a transition between finding a new home and that's when it had come down to 11 and then the next one I'd moved into this house <laughs> and I painted one room I painted one room and went up to so, 30 so it went up to 30 not 70 so so I had this as my, so I had I didn't have my fourth result yet when I had stopped all painting and so I tell this to my my oncologist her eyes were like wide open and she goes if this is real that's wild and I said I know that this is real and we'll see it on my next test my next test under two see and and that's the thing is that I mean it's well known and I don't know why medical doctors don't don't understand that you have the term xenoestrogens for a reason and all the plastics the chemicals and paint you know, all these chemicals, they have an estrogenic effect that will then drive tumors. It will drive breast cancer, will drive prostate cancer, will drive all these different things. So I don't know why it's so wild to them. That always fascinates me. It does. It's fascinating. And it's like, it's, it's interesting because I feel that I stay in the Western medicine 
um, world, it, this little toe in, mm-hmm. because I feel like it's almost my duty. You know, I feel like when I go to the hospital, I go to UCSF San Francisco. I used to live 10 minutes from there. Now I'm four and a half hours <clears throat> and I keep debating, you know, whether I'm going to shift, you know, what I'm going to shift and when I'm going to get off of everything. But there's a part of me when I get, I go to the hospital once a month for these shots. When I go in there, I feel that I am bringing wisdom, knowledge, inspiration, and hope with me. So I kind of just feel like I don't look at it as I'm going to get treatment. I'm like, I'm going to inspire people and and, and encourage them. The nurses are like my favorites to talk to because they they they're like they understand that a lot of the shit's bullshit, you know, and 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 also they open up to me about why they can't get off of sugar. I mean, a lot of them are unhealthy, overweight. You can see their stress levels. Like they're dealing with cancer patients all day. They have big hearts and they're not eating well. They're not taking care of themselves. They're not exercising. So I just go in there and I share stories and I, you know, try to inspire. And I, you know, I feel like I, I bring joy to that hospital and, and information that I know ripples out. So when I tell these nurses my story, they're always just like, whoa, like, that's amazing. Because they're just seeing people dying every day that are in the cancer mill, you know, this, this, the lab of just, you know, it's, I don't even know what to call it. It's not a healthcare system. You know, that's what I have found. And I'm, and I'm navigating UCSF, like, this is a world renowned hospital. How about the people are, you know, it, like now I live in a rural area. I'm, I'm seeing things differently now, too. There's pluses and minuses because in the rural areas, you also get people who understand like, yeah, go out in nature. <laughs> go, go take a hike. Yeah. Go take a hike and your stress, your, 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 your blood pressure will just drop. Like, don't worry. You know, you don't need to take this medic. You don't need to take a heart you know, pill. You can just. Go get nature, go drink fresh water, you know, do some meditation, be in community, you know. And, so, and yeah. That, and that's the thing is that you you make these lifestyle changes and recognize the impact of these toxic chemicals. And you, you, you create that foundation and change your life and then see what kind of response that has in itself. And then you can build on that. And also yeah. is that you you had, I mean, you had two and a half months, you know, people normally, you know, I got stage four, I'm going to die tomorrow. I got to jump yeah. into treatment immediately. Otherwise it's, it's, you know, it, I got have the sense of urgency, but yeah. the reality is you have time, you have time to you feel do. what is right for you. Not something that's just projected onto you by the oncologist or radiologist yes. or whoever it is. You're just kind of, yes. You, you, you got to get centered, feel, you know, where I'm at in my life. Why do I have this? You know, what, what is my body trying to tell me? And, and then yeah. listen to that and then follow your own intuition. Yes. It's so simple. Yeah, <laughs> like Michael, like, like that's, I think what kind of blows my mind the most, exactly what you just said. It's how, and I've made, you know, I made videos like on what, to do you know you've got cancer now what and I said stop Mm -hmm. slow down turn off your phone get off the internet and just sit do not be rushed into making they they had already scheduled me for a lumpectomy and I had and and to meet with this uh chemo and radiation people before I had they didn't even know what my full diagnosis was and then they're like, oh, stage four. Oh, nope, none of that. And I was just like, why did you even just do that to me? You know, and so I have this, um, I have this fantasy that I hope someday comes true, that uh, somebody is sitting in front of, you know, they've had this testing and they are sitting in front of a doctor and the doctor says, congratulations, you've got cancer. What a beautiful gift. You actually now get to start really living your life and you get to put yourself first. And we don't worry. You've got time. We're going to find the best 
solutions for your healing. We have all these different options. You've got, we can get you into some acupuncture. We can get you into some therapy. You know, have you ever done any plant medicine? Have you worked through your traumas? We're good. We've got a nutritionist that's going to support you based on your blood work. We're going to check your vitamin D. Amazing, right? Whoever even checks that anymore. And, um, and you're going to be okay. This is not a death sentence. This is a life sentence. And so we're excited to be supporting you in anything you need. And I mean, a super bonus would be you get to take a year off and we're going to support you financially. So you don't have to worry about going to work and scrambling to make money and how much all this is going to cost. It's just covered. Whatever it is, if you choose acupuncture or you choose chemo or a mix of both or all of the above, it's all taken care of. What would the life expectancies be if that's what was gifted to us when they gave us the diagnosis of cancer? You know, yeah. what if they just gave, said it in a different way? And so that's it. it that'd be yeah. huge. I mean, that'd be that's, huge. I mean, so I mean, because then and, and the <laughs> the issue is, I mean, like like I, 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 I know medical oncologists, I have friends are medical oncologists and they say, well, the the reason so they they actually practice their scripts the medical oncologists they they have their scripts and because they have very limited amount of time and yeah. so the the best way to drive a person into therapy is through fear so yeah. they have their scripts you know things have to say and they repeat it again and again and and there's a purpose for it so that they can just drive the person into therapy immediately and boom, done, and only needed to yeah. spend two minutes with them or three minutes with them. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah. uh, and, and there you go. So, but, you but can... to recognize the reason, I mean, I, cause I love that just like you, you know, it's like cancer here. I have something so bad, so deadly. And I, I gave it to myself to give myself permission to be able to say no to the world and to decide yeah. exactly what I want. And people would understand me because, you know, I have cancer anyway. So it's not like yeah, they can the say, cancer no. card. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, you got yeah. the cancer yeah. card. And yeah, so, so, yeah, why, why, why not pull a card, that card ahead of time? Yeah, why yes, not just change your yes. life now? <laughs> yes. And that it's, it's interesting because I've been so outspoken. And, and those scripts are, I mean, that's, that's what I, is also hard for me is that we know this as a fact and yet people don't understand it. And so that's why I try to share as widely as I do is like understand that these doctors are, I love my oncologist. She has, she looks at me with the stuff I tell her. And like I, she said, I wish I had 10 brains to study everything you're telling me. And this is what she said, which was, I really appreciate She said, Willow, I went to school to be a medical oncologist. This is what I do. This is what I learned. And this is what I know. And this is the way that I can help people in the way that I know. And I just say, I, I get that and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that she lets, I literally make my own rules. Like I, I tell them, I, it, if I didn't want to go in for an infusion, I'm not going to. You can't force me, you know, like if, if it doesn't work into my schedule, I want missing one is not going to kill me. I know that. And so now I'm in this like, uh, you know, place of getting ready to wean, but it's the fear. And we've seen that through, you know, the pandemic. It's, I, did, I chose not to get vaccinated. She was, it, she was very, she said, I'm sure I know your aunt. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. Would you like a vaccination? And I said, no, I said, um, and this was very early on when it was, I was living in San Francisco. It was really exploding. And she said, I said, what would you tell me if I called you and I said, I've tested positive, what would, what would the protocol be? Mm. She, she <laughs> said, I would tell you to stay home and get your immunity up like you always do. And because she has seen me have my immunity because for the eye brands, you have to be your white blood has to be at one or your neutrophils at one or above. <clears throat> I've had like probably five times in the past six and a half years where it was low, uh, lower than I could take. 
And I like, you know, after Burning Man, or I've been, you know, traveling or whatever. And um, she, I would, I would not want to mess up my other schedule of taking the eye brands and my labs. I'm like, I want to be in the hospital once a month. I was like, I can get it up in, in, you know, two days and, or in a day. And she's like, girl, you cannot do that in a day. And I'm like, I can. And she goes, I'll give you two. And you're probably gonna have to just come next week. I come in and she's like, how did you do that? And I'm like, breath work. I got my, you know, I really getting my oxygen flowing. I said, I did all my stuff. I did my meditations. I said, I just, I know how to keep my immunity up and I just can't always do all the things. And I was at a real deficit. So she's like, oh, if you got COVID, I would just tell you to go get, you know, your, your immunity up. And I have been six and a half year. I mean, through this whole pandemic, I didn't mask if I didn't have to. I was in groups. I came up to this where I live now in Mount Shasta and I was cuddle puddling and hugging people and sharing, um, you know, smoking a joint with a bunch of kids and, you know, passing it around. I'm like, sure. And, um, and you know, I've, my, I've been, I don't get sick. You know, I was sick a few months ago. It may or may not have been a variant. I was sick for like two or three days, totally flushed within a week. People were, you know, three weeks out with it. Um, you know, I got my vitamin infusions and it kicked the fatigue completely. And, you know, and I'm just like, I'm a healthy person, you know, so why would I want to buy into all of this, the fear, you know, I used to be pretty fearful and anxious, you know, I lived a life of everything. I'm, I'm afraid of that. I'm worried. I would say that I'm worried about this, you know? So as you were kind of uh, talking about in the, in the beginning, it's the things we tell ourselves and the words that we use, you know, I feel are very important in staying, um, you know, healthy. And now I, I was going to segue into, it's interesting how I have a huge, I have a, people who follow me with cancer, but what I'm finding is my friends and family and people that knew me from my old life are kind of like, whatever you're doing, I want some of that. You know, they don't, you can prevent, I say cancer is 10, 90% of cancer is completely preventable. 10% is genetic. They don't tell you that. Every person I ask, why do you think they got cancer? Almost nine out of 10 says probably genetics. Mm -hmm. And then I always say, what if I told you that only 10% of cancer is genetic? Everybody in my family had it. None of it was genetic. What if I told you that? It's lifestyle, environment. You are so in control, but nobody tells us that. Like you say, it's that fear of, well, we got to make some money at this hospital, you know? So chemo and radiation, I mean, it's a cash cow. And, and when you're diagnosed with cancer, you walk in there with such vulnerability and such yes. weakness and such, you know, I don't know what to do. I mean, you're 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 so open and impressionable yes. at that time. So yes. it's it's really it doesn't take much to drive that kind of a person to whatever direction yes. you want with the right word. Yes. Yes, yes. It's so, so, so true. And it's I think yeah, most people, by the time they get that diagnosis, things have already probably been going wrong in their life. And maybe, you know, and again, it, it's a lot of times it's, I know some people, not very many um, that will say like, my life was amazing, you know, before cancer. And also, sometimes I also question, are you being really truthful with yourself? Have you really been doing the deep diving, you know, because my, my first question when I'm supporting people with cancer is always, why do you believe it came to you? Because I feel like with anything, if your car, if your brakes aren't working, what are you going to do? You're going to take it to the mechanic and find out what is causing the problem and fix it. <laughs> They're not just going to be like, your brakes aren't working. We're going to spray paint your car and it'll look a lot better. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to find out why your brakes aren't working, you know, and, and we're going to get to the root of it. So it's fixed. And that's, uh, that's where I'd really love for the cancer healers in this world, you know, from oncologists down is just to really focus on the root. And I feel like so many lives that that's where I get, I don't get angry very much anymore. I used to punch people and my head would spin around like a, like a crazy devil. And now I'm, I'm, I would say I'm pretty peaceful. And um, people today that know me can't imagine that part of me. 
but wow, I, my heart, like the amount of friends that I've lost in six and a half years, I can't count. And sometimes I feel really sad that I can't even remember. Like you go into Facebook to send somebody something and you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, there's 15 or 20 more friends that aren't around anymore that have these legacy pages. And I just feel like it's very unnecessary. I I feel that there's, there's so much information out there that is, and it's funny, like there's information that's hidden, but not hidden. And that's, I think also where I really encourage people to do some research, get out of your Google browser, get on a, a private browser, start getting where they don't, they're not tracking your stuff and go in and just dig. Sometimes it doesn't take but 10 minutes to get to like, why is glyphosate still being, you know, used and, and, and in our products. And now with the, you know, now they're learning it's in all the breakfast cereals. Yeah, no shit. I've known this for fucking five years. Like I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not an intellectual. I I'm a, I'm a feeler and I'm a, believer in and following your intuition and so I started just looking at fragrance was one of the first things that you know all how it affected our I I love how you're able to articulate what it is and this is me it's just not good it disrupts us and I don't know why I don't know how I don't know the terminology this is (laughs) this is me I know for you don't want synthetic fragrance in your stuff and boy I when I travel and I go into an Airbnb Ugh, I'm just like, I, and that's always a message I leave at this, uh, this, all of these scents disrupt my estrogen and they make me feel nauseous. I would really encourage you not to use these scents, you know, and let people put their own scent if they want it. But, and, and that's you know, going but, through but, your whole house, you're going through your laundry detergent, you go through yeah. what you clean your counters with, yeah. you go through yeah. what you brush your teeth with, what your, you put in your ha- hair, women, exactly, the makeup, the, makeup. The, the scents, the, the face creams. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. The, the, the whole reason for these face creams is that you, you have estrogenic compounds to make it look plumper and make, make it look yeah. more youthful. And so that's how they sell the face creams, but it, it's estrogenic compounds that then feeds cancer. So you you got to get away from that and then bring in yeah. essential oils, coconut oils, yeah. you know, these yeah. healthy, natural yeah. agents. It's that- so simple. And, and when you walk into a store, like I think, you know, I was that mom who lived at Target and Costco. And it was like, oh, I need to get the kids diapers and I get need to get dog food. But oh, I can get some cute things for the house and a scented candle and, you know, this thing and that thing. And, um, and on the cleaning supply, oh, yeah, I want my bedding to smell like lavender and this and that. Well, it's interesting because now I use baking soda, <laughs> vinegar, lemon, uh, lemon oil or fresh lemon and Dr. Bronner's. That is what I use in my dishwasher, in my a washing machine. It is what I use to clean my van out. It is what I clean my shower with. Oh, and I love magic erasers too. Um, they don't have the new ones. They're selling with scent in them, which I was like, why did you do this to your product? I'm going to write them a letter. Um, but it's interesting to, first of all, the money that you save by not buying all of this crap that they're selling us. And then just how you feel in your body. And now I really feel it when I go to other places, you know, and it's, again, it's not like this is hidden information. It's just, I think the person I was before, I didn't want to, I didn't want to know, you know, it takes a a lot of effort to know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's so convenient just to buy what you're used to and and have your same routine that and yeah. one, one thing for people to understand also, you, you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned dishwashing detergent. So this this kind of streak-free, you know, it, it's not that your glass are, are much more clean. It's actually chemical that's on the glass that every time you're drinking mm. that, you're actually getting that chemical inside mm. of you. So these streak-free wow. kind of glasses are, are, it's not that they're clean. Wow. I haven't that just my body really reacted to that. I didn't even think of that, that part of it, um, that you're literally ingesting uh, what's being left on that, you know, because I've just moved to a place with hard water and I'm noticing the spots, but I'm 
uh, I'm choosing to wash all my stuff by hand and I use it as a, like a meditation, but that's a really interesting thought because we want, and that's, I think, you know, this thing of we want everything to be perfect. You know, I live in a forest now. It's hilarious. Like how my eye goes to a tree and I'm like, oof, I could just trim those dead branches off. Or like, like I find myself wanting to like make my forest perfect. And I'm like, no, we're supposed to be rough and wild and organic. You know, I watch my chickens and I'm just like, they really know how to like, they adapt and they, you know, they, they're just, they live their life. So for me being in nature, like I think I lived in San Francisco my entire life. And I think nature wasn't easy to like, I had to go seek it out. You know, I had to get in a car and drive to really, really appreciate nature. And um, I've been thinking a lot lately about people living in concrete cities with the high level of pollution, our water, you know, having fluoride and whatever other crazy stuff they're putting in it. Um, the intensity of the grind, you know, when you live in a city, it costs a lot of money. And because it costs a lot of money, you're grinding. And then it's like, oh, I have to pay for all these things. And then you're also like, well, there's a lot to do. So those things co cost money. And I remember for me to go to the grocery store, it was a whole thing because I, well, let me check the freeway traffic. Oh God, I missed that time. Oh, that 10 minute drive is now a 45 minute drive. Getting into nature and getting into a, a different lifestyle. I literally, it's, it will be on Sunday. One year ago, I w drove up my van to my niece's wedding up in Oregon in this really beautiful um, rural area called Estacada, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. She gets married on this family property and it hits me. I'd been traveling in my van um, all of COVID and I, I was like really connecting and how I felt when I was in nature versus I always loved going back to the city and then all of a sudden it became like, Ooh, I don't, I don't really want to go back. Oh, this feels harder. Oh, wait, when can I get back out? Like, when can I go back on another trip? And the city got louder and more intense. It was, um, I got my van broke down again. The universe conspires. I got stuck in Oregon for a month. I had to actually fly back to, to, uh, San Francisco to get my infusions and then go back to get my van. There was no mechanics that could work on it. It was so old, lots of issues. And in that time, I noticed something because I had a story about Oregon because of the rain. And I was like, it's too depressing. It's dark. It's like rainy all the time. But I also hated the fog in San Francisco. So it was really interesting being in Oregon. I'm in a, in a suburban area, but I look out and even though it's raining and it's foggy and misty, it's green. It's alive. There's an aliveness to the area. And I realize when I'm in San Francisco and it's gray, it's gray. The cement is gray. The ground is gray. The energy is gray. There's just this different level, uh, you know, in our energetic bodies. And when you think about how, you know, they used to live back in the day, people lived in nature areas, you know, and cities weren't like they are now. So I tell people, if you live in a city, you actually... I encourage you to to schedule time to get out to be in nature as much as you can and really see there's so much to learn, you know, so much to learn. So I got yeah, that that year I decided when I got stuck in that month, I started looking at property up there and I'm like, I'm I, I'm out of this San Francisco. And it's literally been exactly a year and I have sold everything in San Francisco. My ex and I sold together, reinvested up here together, bought this amazing house. And I'm going to be doing retreats and healing workshops with people with cancer and people who want to prevent cancer. And I'm just like, how is this my life? Like six and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I wanted to die. I left my marriage. I everybody was just like, you're crazy. Like, I, we don't even know who you are. You know, I lost half my friends. And now I'm like looking out on this forest on this medicine circle on this fire pit, I've got 10 chickens, I have deer running my property every day. And I'm just like, this is possible. Like, if I can do it, 
anybody can do this. I, I say, you know, because people, I think people think you're lucky. You know, I, I hear that. I think I think people look at me and think you're you're different. You're special. You're you know, you're, you're it's just random. And I'm like, no, no, I know lots of people like me. I know lots of people like me that that get this cancer. Cancer to me is like a cold or anything else. Like, it's just like, what do you need to do? Your body, like, it's just a more intense thing for me. It was like, girl, you got to get your shit together. Like, it is just like, you are going to get your shit together. You're going to die. And now I'm living this aligned life. And, you know, my ex, he's literally, I talked to him for half an hour last night. He's coming up next weekend. He, he's, you know, he supported this whole process. This man that I didn't believe loved me has supported me buying a house in a place he's never even been, you know, he's half owner and he comes up and he's like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like, you can't move in all the way though, you know, but there's plenty of rooms, but um, yeah, my, 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 my real message is just follow your intuition and like slow down. Listen, I wasn't present. You know, I think being present and mindful has really helped me to see, you know, had I had this connection with spirit and God and, and nature and myself and finding myself love, you know, all of these things, you know, I don't think I would have, you know, been in that position. And I'm so great. I said, if I hadn't got my wish and got and got ran over by a car or got, you know, smashed into and died at that time of my life, what a tragedy. It would have just like for me to not like if I I am so cool with death, if I die tomorrow, I, you know, I'm not ready to die. And if I die, whew, I'm at peace. Like I have done, I know that I've I've made an impact on my life, my children's life. I am breaking generational trauma. I've worked with my mom, my grandmother my kids, like we're breaking the cycles, you know, and I just, I want to live to see, you know, to be honest, like I'm pretty competitive and I'm like, I want to, I want, first of all, I'm like, can I be the longest living person, you know, that doesn't die, uh, you know, cause I keep saying also the big joke, everybody that knows me when I die, it's not going to be of cancer. It's going to be a me doing something wildly fun and crazy and I'm like, so everybody knows that they have to go back to this first oncologist and say, Willow did not die from that cancer. That's, that's what I, that's my tombstone. You know, <laughs> it's like I died doing exactly what I wanted to do and having fun. And maybe it was some crazy wacky thing, or, you know, I just die peacefully in my sleep when I'm 106 and, and feel really just done, you know, but I, um, I don't have fear. Like I used to say, I'm, I, I would say I'm healing cancer and I don't, I would be interested to hear um, if you've talked with people in this space, it's, it's tricky. When they tell you, you have stage four cancer, they say you are never healed. They, they say you'll be able to have the NED, the no evidence of disease. I don't even have that because I have two scars. What kind of mind fuck is that? Sorry for swearing. I, I, my dad is a truck driver. <laughs> well, I agree. I agree. But but it's yeah. like but so I say now it it took me one year to transition because I would say I'm healing stage four cancer, but that's not really true. I've healed it. I don't have cancer in my body. Why do I have to live with that label? And even more so, oh, I don't get any D because. I shrunk all those stupid tumors right in the beginning and I have two scars left. My oncologist let me believe my scars were active for a full year after I had shrunk everything. I stayed on my cannabis one full year extra because we were waiting for my tumors to shrink. Mm -hmm. Finally, one day I'm looking at the radiology reports. This is why we have to do this ourselves. I'm looking, looking, looking. Wow. Okay. All the action happened in that first year and a half. These two spots that we're watching that, you know, I look at it, you know, mm -hmm. unmeasurable, unremarkable. They don't say anything. So finally, I said, 
I'm waiting to go down in my cannabis. It's very expensive. At the time, it was incredibly expensive, like $1,200 a month for what I was taking. I said, I want to go down to my maintenance dose and I'm tired of being high. Like how long before these are completely gone? And she goes, oh, those aren't tumors. Like those are, that's not active disease. She said, that's probably an artifact, some dead skin cells, some dead cancer cells. Why? Why? Why are you? Why are you not telling me, girl, you are good, like, good job. I was cheerleading myself. But I was trying to get rid of those two last spots. And then I'm like, the person I am, like you say, we program our bodies know us. I have said my whole life, I love scars, because they remind us of how strong and resilient we are. They remind us of this time. It's maybe a warning to not do that. Oh, I cut an avocado in my hand with a sharp knife. I knew I shouldn't have. Yeah, that scar reminds me every time I cut an avocado, I don't put it in my hand. I put it on the on the counter, you know, or it's like, wow, that was an amazingly fun time. And I fell and I scraped my knee and, and it still remind, reminds me. So for me to have two spots in my liver i'm a libra i'm balanced that doesn't surprise me but yet so i dropped the label and i don't it feels controversial i say i'm healed Mm -hmm. i say i've healed stage four cancer and in why not yeah and and i think that the key is to not because anything you hold on to you know that is it's always going to be there with you Yes. So, so you don't want, you, you want to, instead of focus on the disease, you focus on life, you focus on, on yes. everything that, that brings expansion and, and, and makes you more of who you are. That is what you focus on. That's is what you're set your energy on. You don't set your yeah. energy on cancer. You don't set your energy on that. You set energy on everything. And cancer is just kind of a reminder that you haven't reached the spot where you are full yeah. in who you are. And I, exactly. and I love also the, about the scars. If, if anyone, if you go on my website, one of the interview that I did on a radio show that I had with Dave Rover, R O E V E R. And I mean, mm-hmm. here's a Vietnam vet and he left for dead and, you know, flames coming out of him and all that. But mm. he, it, it was exactly what you're saying is that the scars our reminder are, are these are the greatest blessings. And, and the way he talks about that is, is just beautiful. You know, so mm. yeah, scars are proof of, of healing. I mean, these yes. are things that have showed your path. It tells your history. And, yes. and so, yeah, absolutely. Resilience. Yeah. It shows your resilience. And I've talked about them my whole life. I have literally had, I mean, I remember so many conversations of like, oh, my uh, cousin, she got this bad a skin cancer on her leg and they had to dig it out. And she was young and, you know, she was like maybe 16, 17. And it was pretty devastating to her to have this massive, you know, five inch scar. And then I was sharing with her mom, my feelings of scars, you know, and I'm like, it makes you a badass. Like, I'm like, look, it's gonna look like a shark bite, something super cool. You can make up a story, you know, whatever. And um, I remember her thanking me like five years later that the, the daughter just being like, wow, you know, that really helped me. And, and so it's just, you know, mindset, it's our shifting. And, and I love that. It can't, I always say cancer doesn't come to kill us. Like that's not, it's like, if you, if we shift as, as a culture and a collective in how we look at cancer and just take away, that's what I want like, take away all the icky stuff, uh, you know, and, you know, when people say fuck cancer, I get sad, like, I don't uh, like that is not I don't use that at all. And I get that people have really challenging, awful experiences in a cancer world. I get it. I totally, totally get it. And and each each person is in their stage, you know, so you're, you're at your kind of emotional healing stage. And so then you respond in a different way, you know, like the fight yes. cancer or whatever it may be. Yes. So yes, yes. you kind of honor your stage, but it doesn't mean that that's your end destination. Exactly. And I tell people, mm-hmm. so for me, I had been a fighter my whole life. I had on protective gear. I was, I was this 
you know, a very masculine energy, very much like protecting and and, um, fighting the world. And so when my acupuncturist, another gift right, right away, um, she had felt my liver pulse was off. And, and when I told her I, you know, had cancer all in my liver, she said, Oh, in Chinese medicine, that's, you know, where we process anger and emotions and resentments. And that was again, a gift because I resonated instantly. I was like, Oh yeah, I've been angry. So for me, loving my cancer thanking my cancer, loving myself, loving my body was important for me. And I understand that somebody else who has maybe been very passive their whole life, not spoke up their whole life, they haven't had that fire. Yeah, fuck cancer. Fuck like that is their that is their power that is so there's to me, there's no right wrong way. Just for me, it's like, let's not project what is ours onto other people. And for me, it's like, whatever your journey is, yes, but we also don't have to stay in that story, because that can, you know, that can that can bring on other things as well. You know, so I do think that there's a time um for us to just like keep checking in with ourselves and where are we at now and what do we need, you know? So for me, it was like, I really needed self-love. I needed softness. I needed gentleness. I, I realized I was a really sensitive being that had on a, that didn't, you know, that wasn't being taken care of in that way. And so I was explosive and, and, and also the, the crazy part was, like I was saying, they, they thought I had rheumatoid arthritis. And the funny thing is, is that when she wanted to keep me comfortable and not give me um, tamoxifen, which would have been another shot that I would have had. I don't know if it was, it was one other, it was another one that they use on a lot of people. Not the reason why she did Fazlodex for me was very specifically. So I wouldn't have more joint pain. And the funny thing is, the joint pain was from my diet and my lifestyle. The, I haven't had joint pain since. Like, so, and so again, it's like all these little gifts that I got, like, oh, we don't want you to suffer anymore. So you get this drug. This drug's been perfect for me, you know? And, and like I said, I, I know I'll be off of all of these drugs. That's a, that's a thing for me to wrap my brain around of when and how I want to do it. But I've, you know, weaned myself off of one and we've been talking very much about about the other one so you know we'll see in time but for right now this is what works for me you know, it yeah. feels it, it feels good yeah and that that's great and that's the thing i mean i and i i do want to before we close is that i do want to kind of make sure that that people understand a lot of yes the oncologists medicologists you know yes they use fear and they use these scripts and these kind of things but a lot of them are there you know for caring and a yeah, lot of them are, yeah. have great hearts and and so yes, so it's yes it's just so in their mind they are moving you in the direction that they feel is best for you because yeah. those are the tools that they have yes yes but it doesn't mean that you have to disconnect with who you are and what you intuitively feel within yourself is right for you you know so so it's yes. just kind of understanding that that process, you know, so. Yes, yes. Uh, well, very, very true. And I because I, I do believe that Western medicine, like, I, I am very grateful for Western medicine. And I'm very grateful for my staging that I didn't have to make a choice for chemo or radiation. Because I just I see I see the effects of it. And, and it I don't know, you know, I don't know where I would be with that. So for me, I'm grateful. And I've had three oncologists. It's helped me learn how to be stronger in my, you know, advocacy. And, and I just tell people, your doctor is not God, you know, and even I was just working with a shaman, I was doing some um, uh, plant medicine a few months ago. And he, I, it was just so beautiful. He sat with me, he's from a long line of, of healers um, from, from Mexico and he said, as he went to give me the medicine, he said, I am not your healer. He said, you are your healer. And the true ceremony starts tomorrow when you go home and you integrate what's been shown to you. And I was just like, wow, like how 
what a gift and how profound, you know, for this shaman to tell me like you are your, and I know this, you know, but hearing it out loud and hearing like this ceremony right now, this is, this is, this is the beginning, but you, you are going to integrate. And that that's where I think kind of our, the, the way our society is designed to kind of be lazy around like why we don't look up about like the products we use and even looking at the ingredients. God, why is that in there? You know, why I, I ate this bag of granola the other day that was delicious and I could not. And then I'm looking at them. Thanks grocery outlet. You know, and I looked at the back of the package and it, you know, it was organic and all the things, but then I look and I was like, Oh my God, there's no sugar in here. How's that? Oh, it's, well, it's full of erythritol. Well, now I've eaten this whole bag of granola. And if you don't know, don't eat a lot of erythritol. It really messes with your stomach and you spend a lot of time on the toilet, but I'm like, even it happens to even me, I get tricked. Like I thought this was a health food product and I didn't double check. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst thing, but it certainly wasn't as good as what I cooked for myself, you know? So I, I like it. I like being more a part of my own journey. And like, then I'm not blaming and mad at other people. I'm making my own choices for myself. So I, I think that's one of the best things you can do in any, in any parts of your life, but especially in medical and in cancer worlds is, is taking the time to whether you get somebody else to help you do the research, but like what, what's coming up for you? What are you, are you feeling like something kind of feels off? Start looking into that. You know, there's just so much information out there that's in plain sight. If we actually just look <laughs> for it. <laughs> well, well it, it's been such a pleasure. I mean, you, you're such a warrior, such a fighter mm. and, and what the energy you bring out to, to people that are, are needing that at this moment is, is mm. tremendous. So thank you so much mm. for this time. And thank you for all. Of yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for like creating this kind of a platform because this is something that we all really need more of, you know, to, to get to see different things and to hear, like we said in the beginning, to hear other people's stories. If somebody hears my story and that inspires them that they can live with stage four cancer for a lot longer than they've been told, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity and I can't wait to dive into, uh, check out more of all of your, uh, to listen to your podcasts and, and learn more about what you're offering. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here and thank you for this opportunity. And I will just say we are, uh, we've got our cancer thriver summit this, uh, well it'll probably be passed by the time this comes out but it's this saturday but um you can find me online um and i share tons of information for free all over the internet um instagram tiktok my website youtube so thank you i love it thanks so much the information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease if you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.